You're listening to Fireside Chats Without the Fires podcast, where customer experience enthusiasts are inspired by our weekly CX practitioners and thought leaders who share their insights and knowledge. And now, here are your hosts, Neil Toff and Paul Catherall. Fireside Chats Without the Fires. Not like every other Fireside Chat Without the Fires. Today is a different one. We are introducing to our community, I'm so, so excited, by the way. Uh, we are introducing a brand new angle to what we do. Uh, we have listened, we have observed, we have watched, we have spoken with to our community. And we have come away with an important idea. There is a lot of theory in the CX community. There are lots of thought leaders. There are lots of um, notions, lots of recommendations. And what I am seeing and what I'm hearing from our podcasts, from our, our, our uh, posts, blogs, everything that you read on LinkedIn, are craving for something new. And that something new is tying in the field of customer experience to business results. And therefore, we are kicking off a session, what will be a regular session, called the Spotlight on the Business of CX. I'm so excited about it. This is inspired by... Uh, what we read, what we talk about, what we hear. Uh, it is also inspired by some of our previous guests and contributors. I'm giving a special shout out to Jess Noble and to Jim Tincher, who recently have inspired uh, the, the content that we produce on this podcast to focus on business results. But to understand business results, for many of us, those things are new. We don't necessarily have the training. We don't have the preparation. We don't have the experience. And that's why we want to bring in uh, topics, and most importantly, expert guests on the different facets of the business of CX. And that's where this drum roll begins. Drum roll. We have an amazing set of guests that we are going to kick off with today, and that will be monthly guests uh, on our spotlight on the business of CX. I am so excited to introduce Dave Koenig and Robbie Bemberger. Bobby, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing your, your last name correct. I, didn't, I forgot to ask you. I'm giving you a thumbs up. Looks like I didn't screw it up. It. Perfect. Uh, from Baird, uh, Dave and Robbie, welcome to Fireside Chats Without the Fires. Welcome to our first spotlight on the business of CX. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Neil. No, it's great. It's great to be here. And uh, yeah, it's, it's always fun to talk about the industry. It's what we've done for many years. And uh, so it's great to be with you today. Wonderful. Um, my guess is that many of us who are, we consider ourselves thought leaders, practitioners, we work in the contact center, or we work for big brands, or we're managing technology stack, we aren't necessarily familiar with Baird. Tell us a little bit about what Baird does and why it, what you do is so important in the world of customer experience. Yeah, no, thanks. And, and so Baird has been around for a little over 100 years. We're based in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and we're one of the, you know, the big, we're probably one of the biggest completely privately held investment banks and brokerage firms. And so, so as employees, Robbie and I own part of Baird, right? And um, so so what's great is we're, we're one of the biggest kind of in between New York and San Francisco. We're right in the Midwest in Milwaukee here. And I would say a majority of our business is helping individuals, right? Just financial advisors that help individuals. But our part of the business um, is the investment bank kind of and equity capital markets business where we learn as much as we can about one industry and then help investors, bigger investors like T. Rowe Price or Fidelity, learn about the industry and help them to, to trade stocks. We, 
We also help the companies go public or do M&A work or, um, you know, anything along those lines. So, um, you know, those are kind of our day-to-day roles uh, at Baird. So, by the way, Dave is the Senior Research Analyst at Baird, and uh, Robbie is the Senior Research Associate at Baird. Uh, for those of us that are not really familiar with those terms, what do those actually mean? So you are both analysts, but what are you analyzing all day? I mean, I, I think I know, but, but there's so many of us that are fam- unfamiliar. What does an analyst do? And if you could tie it in a little bit, again, back to CX. Yeah, sure. So Baird has about 40 senior analysts, and then we have teams. So Robbie and I are on one, one of the 40 teams um, that each, in, that each uh, you know, research different industries. So we have an internet industry. We have banking industry. We have real, you know, REITs. We have all these different ones. Ours is the CX industry. Um, we also do payments, like we do MasterCard and Visa and some of those as well. But what I do every day with CX is I get in touch with, you know, Chuck Sykes or, um, or you know, the, 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 new, the guys that task us, right? Or, um, any, or, or you, Neil, right? We get in touch with people from the private side to the public side, all across the industry, learn as much as we can, and that help the investment, the investment community learn about the cost of the industry to decide if they want to invest in it or not. And then we also help uh, companies do things like go public or issue new uh, new equity, et cetera. So day to day, we're reading filings, we're reading financial reports, and we're talking with industry participants to learn whatever we can. You mean to tell us that the business, companies that are in the business of customer experience, you mean they're actually worth investing in? They're worth investing in. They've been good investments. And, I, you know, I'd say in the last year or so, they've been quite good investments, right? I mean, you know, Sykes has doubled, right? They're getting taken out. Taskus uh, just went public at $23. I think it was 46 last night, and that's in two months, right? So uh, these have been good investments, and, you know, partly because they're just very steady recurring businesses. But I think what's really changed in the last year is, A, they've shown how well they could get through COVID, some some you know, the digital changes, right? Finding new ways to do work from home or whatever. Margins have gone up. And there's so many new types of businesses that have come out from just the, our digital world that the call center of CX industry is, is serving those needs. Uh, this is great. So we're, we're going to get into that stuff in just a second. So let's just set the table for our audience once again. Uh, if you work for a brand, there's a probability that your brand hires or engages or contracts with a BPO, a business process outsourcer. Uh, or an outsourced contact center to handle interactions with customers. Some of those BPOs, some of those outsourced contact centers, are publicly traded. Some of them are privately held, meaning their shares are not traded on the open market, although maybe in the future they might be. And it sounds like what Baird does is they help both of both company types uh, to um, make sure that either it's a publicly traded, that the data around the performance of those companies is available, uh, it's available for public consumption. It's studied. It's analyzed because it certainly changes from uh, quarter to quarter. Uh, and those companies that are privately held uh, may, that may one day be looking for an out and may be looking to be either sell to be acquired. Uh, your company helps com- those those types of companies prepare for that activity to one day maybe be acquired. Did I do a fair job of, of, of summarizing that? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Our our role is to make the data as 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 uh, available, comparable. You know, you can compare metrics across the industry so that investors can make good decisions, and then companies themselves can decide. Yeah, they want to either go public or buy each other or whatever that would be. So our role is kind of sit in the middle and just get the data and understand the industry and help kind of everybody 
around to make good investment decisions. So let's talk specifically. What are the things that you look at in your analysis? Are you looking at, so we, we, Paul and I can tell you on the operational side of things, we're looking at uh, maybe net promoter score. We're looking at average handle time in the contact center. We're looking at uh, quality scores. We're looking at um, CSAT scores, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Are those the things that you're looking at or are you going uh, taking a different angle? Yeah, th those are those are interesting because, th I mean, those are outputs of a center and how productive and everything a center is. You know, we go a step further, I would say, or a step higher level and just look at revenue trends and um, revenue in margin trends. Right. Because ultimately the value of a stock is often based on the earnings and then the growth of those earnings. And, you know, so what we'll look at, like, OK, what's protecting the growth? Is this a company that's adding new clients? Uh, is it keeping its existing clients? Are they finding ways to be more efficient, whether that's using at home or, you know, you know, more uh, automation tools or whatever it is. So really, it's, you know, growth and kind of protection of the, the brand and the business that, that we look at day to day to decide how valuable that company that company is. So what are the non-financial trends? that you are seeing recently in the marketplace. You alluded to some of them. By the way, if you, we're not going to talk financial trends. We'll, we'll save that for future sessions. You know, mm -hmm. financial trends, I don't know. Earnings per share, uh, you know, um, uh, and many of the really nuanced, detailed financial things. Let's not talk about those things yet. We'll save that for future sessions. What are the non-financial trends that you're looking at and that are seeing in the, in the companies that you are covering? Yeah, I would say some of the things in... You know, it's interesting because it is so interconnected, right? Like often the non-financial trends that happen end up affecting the financials too. So like just as an example, like um, more and more companies getting into content moderation, right? You know, whether it's, it, you know, like uh, Tascas, Telus, uh, Convert, uh, Concentrics, right? Um, Genpack, like a lot of these companies have incrementally gotten into that. And that's growing fast because people keep posting more stuff to Facebook and um, in, in other, you know, digital media sites. Um, data annotation to help like, you know, driverless cars or whatever, figure out what is a stop sign and like coding and things like that. Um, you know, all across the digital market, we see like companies that didn't exist a while ago, like DoorDash or Uber, right? Like they need customer service reps that didn't exist 10, 15 years ago. Um, in the great, not, I mean, this is some, somewhat financial, but those fast growth companies are a little less concerned about exact pricing and more concerned about just a great service because th their value to the public markets is all about growth and good experience and service. So they do the same thing. They pay the CX providers according to that same thing, which means often premium pricing, which is great for the industry. Um, maybe I'll turn it over to Robbie a minute too. I, you know, I'm sure he's uh, he has some good thoughts on this too. We're, we're, we're sending the fastball right down the middle to you, Robbie. Here it goes. You got you to take a swing at this one. Exactly. Trends. What are you seeing? Yeah, no. Appreciate it. And, you know, I think things like on the actual call center side, um, being having data science and analytics behind it, really understanding the, uh, you know, the call center trends that are going on. There's real time dashboards that like IBEX and Tascos talk about so that they make sure that their call center reps are being very efficient um, every day. And not only are they helping their call center reps become better, but by taking that data, they can also help their clients become better because they have insights and feedback that they can give back to their clients essentially and try to make their processes better. Um, so whether that, yeah, that could be through, you know, looking at 
social media or, or product reviews, stuff like that, that can get tied back to the company and kind of be a feedback loop for, for the products that are being offered. I, I love this. So I'm going to take a stab at uh, maybe summarizing what I'm hearing. Uh, higher value added work is being performed, right? Uh, yeah. Maybe kind of moving away from the standard, just low tier, low value add, just answering the phone to a shifting towards um, moderating content, analytics, adding more value. And it sounds like, and here I'm going to go back to the theory, those of us that, that have been guilty of uh, saying, oh, yeah, you know, Customers are going to are willing to pay more, like bold statements. Customers are willing to pay more money for better service. That sounds like maybe that's actually true. That the companies that are hiring these outfits, these BPOs, these outsourced contact centers, or, or, or brands themselves are willing to actually invest more and pay more for better service. There's actually truth to that. That's what it seems like to us. Um, you know, it's, it's these fast growing brands that are very willing to say we need good service because that's part of our brand. So we will pay to make sure it's better. Now, I think the legacy, like um, the legacy telecom players, right? AT&T, you still call and, you know, the 24 minute callback option is available, right? That's not the best service, but that's because AT&T has gotten somewhat commoditized. But all these new brands that are growing super fast, you know, whether it be Amazon or Apple or, you know, Uber, whatever, it's like these brands care about growth. And that's what the investment community pays for. If they're paying for growth, these companies will do whatever they can to make sure the experience and the growth is good. This is wonderful stuff. So this leads it's a perfect segue into my next question. And, and I'll point this one first to you, Robbie. Um, I want to ask, what is it that you believe customers want yeah no, it's, a, it's a great question and i think maybe high level um just going back to economics maybe something that provides high utility uh for customers whether it's you know something interesting that a uh, that a customer wants uh to have you know it could be online social media app that's you know uh essentially you know good for the for the customer and they want people want products that you know, gives them something back in return. Um, could be communities that they get into social media, like Facebook or, um, you know, Instagram, Twitter, stuff like that, that gives you sort of that serotonin every time you use it. Um, but also I think people like loyalty and that we cover the fintech sector also. Um, so I'd say something that's really interesting is that, you know, credit cards that give back good reward points, people continually want to use those cards and they feel like they're they're really getting something and getting something out of it. Um, and brands that provide good loyalty programs are ones that you continue to want to go to. We're big, you know, we, we eat Chick-fil-A uh, and get the points and the more points you get, uh, the better. So stuff like that is interesting. And uh, I think customers, you know, really value that loyalty from, um, from brands. Are maybe you, if I can jump in for a second too. Here's what consumers want. They want a very quick and easy experience with a CX rep. So my buddy last weekend, or maybe it's a couple weekends ago, he and his wife are out. And all of a sudden the five kids say, Domino's hasn't brought us our pizza, dad. What do we do now? So this is worst case scenario. You're out with your wife. You want to have a good time. Your kids aren't being fed now. Like, what do we do? He calls or texts Domino's within a minute. He said, 
they responded, we're going to send those pizzas out. And here's a link to click on for $40 off your next order. Done. Within one minute, this was all settled. He's back to eating. This used to take 10 years ago. This was, that car's never going to show up. I'm going to be on the phone for 10 minutes. Like, who knows? This is an exploding scenario. He got it fixed in a minute. It's all because digital CX has gotten so much better in the last five years. So I love this. This is great stuff. But here's the kicker. The things that both of you just described, the focus on loyalty, the apps, the ability to text in, the focus on digital, the focus on now, 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 uh, resolution, those are generating returns. And the companies that are doing these things, are they performing better? Are they, are they making noise in your world to the extent that uh, they're companies that you can recommend and say, wow, emphasis, highlight, these are companies that are going someplace, we're making recommendations, whether it's to buy or just uh, you know, overall favorable evaluations of those companies? Yeah, I would say, I mean, absolutely. You look at like Taskus as a perfect example. They grew, I think, 62% year over year last quarter, right? They're doing a lot of things with these newer digital-based companies, growing super fast. The market has quickly seen and paid you know, 30 times forward EBITDA, right? That's unusual. Historically, this industry has traded more like seven to nine times EBITDA, but that's often the companies that are heavily uh, telco focused or old economy focused. But now that we're transitioning, like Telus recently went public, um, Concentrix is growing faster, Teletech's growing faster. As they invest in these new technologies, their multiples are go going up and investors are more interested. Explain if you wouldn't mind quickly what EBITDA is for those that oh, yeah. know. Yeah, EBITDA is just a proxy for profitability. It's earnings before interest, tax, depreciation, amortization. It's just a, uh, it's a proxy for, uh, you know, um, taking the debt kind of away. So we're taking out the interest part of it just to be able to more evenly compare companies with each other. Perfect. EBITDA. By the way, one of the most, um, uh, I think, confusing words to pronounce or phrases to pronounce, EBITDA. I've heard EBITDA, EBITDA. <laughs> EBITDA, right? So your industry, EBITDA. We usually call it EBITDA. I mean, you could call it EBITDA. Isn't that like a Madonna, like Broadway type thing or something? We can call it whatever we want, but uh, we call it EBITDA. EBITDA, perfect. Love it. Uh, all right. So we talked about what customers want. By the way, I love the Domino's uh, example because I think we've all been there. By the way, do we actually think that that works? You can literally text or tweet to Domino's. I want to please. I want to, you know, large pepperoni delivered to this address, and it's that fast and easy. Like, you know, they'll say in forty minutes, in, in a few minutes, it'll be there. Or here, this is what's what's happening, and here's your forty dollar off coupon for the next order. Is that simple? <laughs> According to him, I think he did. He did the online, the mobile app, ordered the pizza. It didn't come, and he did the consumer risk feedback or whatever, and, and somehow got in touch. And yeah, that he got texted a link. It was, I mean, it was that simple. He got texted a link. He he basically said. That surpassed every sort of expectation I would have ever had. Got it. Perfect. I want to ask you a question. What is the, um, what is the, you know, one second. I've got something going on here, a little volume here. There's something coming in. I hope you guys can't hear that. Um, what is, my next question, what is the role of technology in CX, we've made a tremendous big deal about automation, tech stack, the cloud, uh, software as a service, 
CCAS, CPAS, you know, you pick the, the acronym. In your world and what you're seeing, what is the role of technology in CX? Yeah, it's mostly, you know, I would say yeah, mostly in efficiency, right? It's, it's, it's a way, like technology is spent on to get a better experience for consumers and a lower cost for, for the company, you know, wh however that is. There's so many things that have happened with, with technology over the years that have made it faster, easier, et cetera. Um, but, you know, for, for the end user, I would say the biggest technology change is just the ability to digitally connect and get better and better service over the years. But maybe I'll turn this one over to Robbie too, if you have any other observations you wanna share. Yeah, no, I'd say things like chat, you know, social, in-app support, um, texting, all of those things really make it a lot easier for customers to communicate um, when there's a problem and really having something be efficient um, through the data and analytics that I talked about before, um, you know, with with the call center reps themselves becoming more efficient, with the product the products themselves becoming more efficient, you know, all of that stuff together, I think you know helps out with with that increasing amount of tech helps with um, essentially converting customers and helps with consumer experience. Um, another thing I'd say is that some of these companies are providing customer acquisition. Um, things as well. So what they'll do, companies like Clearlink, which was part of Sykes or Ibex and Taskus, they have technology that will actually help you know acquire customers um, for for clients, and they'll put Google links out, and it'll be, they'll essentially pay for um, you know a link to be on there uh, on Google for AdWords, and they will convert a customer to uh, their client, and they'll get a sort of a commission through doing that. So. That's another type of lead generation technology aspect that is really um, going on in the industry. The more technology that comes out, um, the more it will help on the consumer side for being able to get through to a, uh, a solution on their end. This is great. I'm going to ask you a, each of you a concluding question. By the way, I'm coming from left field on this one. This is not on our prepared list of questions that we had worked on before this. So I'm just going to ask you, knowing that you might, uh, you know, want to kick me under the table, so to speak. But um, what I think is, and, and there's obviously no correct answer to this. I think it's just kind of, you know, top of mind thinking here. Um, I'd like to give our audience kind of a parting, you know, gift, a parting set of wisdom, a recipe or something. Maybe could you offer, again, top of mind, one to two to three ideas for the takeaway of things that their organizations can do to become more profitable. We talked about uh, uh, beta. We talked about, you know, really being able to have a focus on that profitability, connecting back to the business, the health of the business, whether you're a brand, whether you're an outsourcer, whether you're managing the tech stack, whether you're involved in whatever element of, of the business uh, our audience is in, one to two to three ideas, parting ideas, what can they do to make their business more profitable? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I would say a couple of things we've noticed, like, you know, we cover a, a cousin to the CX industry, the, the BPO, the broader BPO business. Um, and one thing that EXL and GenPact and WNS have so remarkably done over many years is grown their revenue per employee. And it's a function of either keeping your employees very satisfied so they stay around and get more productive, you can generate more revenue employee, or 
uh, automate stuff to generate more revenue per employee, um, or go to clients that care about service a lot and are willing to pay more. And then you, you can, you know, you can give them that good service. So, you know, it, it's often it's often some intangibles, right? It's it's very difficult for me to say exactly what drives all of that, but um, a lot of times it starts with just being good to your employees. Like, I mean, at Baird. And I've been here for 19 years because it's an incredible place to be. We do business the right way. I'm going to tell you just a real quick story here. I don't know if you remember the flash crash when basically about three, four summers ago, everything went down. The whole market was going down like 10% in a few minutes and that bounced right back. And so one of my traders called and said, is there anything fundamentally wrong with Visa? Because if not, we're going to load up down 10% or whatever. I, and I said, no, just, yeah, you're fine. So I called him back. I said, whoa, did we make a ton of money today? Like, the market went down irrationally, popped back. And he's like, well, no, we, we give all that to our clients, right? We don't keep that for ourselves the way the New York firms do. So that's why I'm here. I'm here because we do business the right way. We're kind to our clients. We do things the right way. And I think ultimately that's often how you generate good economics. And maybe, Robbie, you could share a couple ideas too. Yeah. No, I that was a good example, Dave. And, you know, I just give sort of some of the stuff that, you know, Ibex, maybe Taskos have talked about publicly just with new economy clients that definitely are less price sensitive. Um, that's the faster growing, you know, Lyfts and Ubers out there and, you know, all the San Francisco based companies, but that aren't as focused maybe on the bottom line right now and really want to grow their businesses, focusing on customers that want to grow and, you know, have the best product out there, the best customer satisfaction rating. So if you do that, uh, and you're able to actually supply them um, with good customer service uh, reps, then I think that will be a lot more profitable. But along with that, they say digital types of work is a lot higher margin than just straight voice-based work. So being able to provide you know, text, uh, chat, and, and email, stuff like that, um, allows the, um, rep the reps essentially be more productive. And by doing that, they want to be there and they don't get on the phone with people who are constantly, you know, berating them with a lot of different stuff. So having other different digital channels helps with, you know, the retention of the reps, but it also helps with, you know, the profitability as well. All right. I'm going to do a wrap up here. This, these were great. So according to Robbie, let's see if I get them, uh, digital non-voice channels, higher value added work. Um, less stress on employees, which then ping pongs over to Dave's points, which is the focus on employee experience. Uh, revenue per employee, a focus on revenue per employee, which really is efficiency, I think, you know, or productivity, depending on how you look at it. But this, mm -hmm. this, this was great. Um, I got to thank you guys. This is exactly what I had hoped for. Uh, planning session made my dreams come true. I appreciate it. Uh, really, you get uh, put forth a wonderful first step in our spotlight on the business of CX session. I want to thank uh, Dave Koenig and uh, Robbie Bamberger for uh, being our first guests, our pioneers uh, on this uh, focus on the business of CX. Uh, they will be back in one month. We will share audience uh, the date of that session, but it's going to be in one month. Uh, they're going to hopefully come back on a monthly basis. We're going to ask them questions. We're going to hone in on stuff. What I would ask our audience, rate and review us. If you liked this session, rate and review it. By the way, if you hated it, rate and review it. That's okay. 
Uh, we're going to share it. We're going to figure it. We're going to get better at it. But we want to know we want your feedback, especially on this something so new. If there are questions you would like us to ask Dave and Robbie, please share those with us. We're happy to be the spokespeople for those questions. Um, we're going to share a link. By the way, Bear, let's see if I can I can represent it. And, and Dave and Robbie, if I don't, please jump in immediately. Uh, they put out a quarterly survey uh, based on the perspectives of people that are in the CX community on trends. And uh, I participate in it. It's free. It's, uh, you know, really just two minutes of time to answer some questions. Uh, Robbie, I'll ask you, how would people that want to participate in that survey, what would they do to become participants? And we're going to put, put this up in, a, in our, our graphic that we uh, post when we, when we finally publish this. What, what is the best way for them to participate and become closer to what Bear does? Yeah, I mean, a couple of ways. I think, one, they could email either Dave or I directly, and we could put the emails on as well on, on the podcast. And um, we could also put out a uh, survey monkey where you can, you know, directly put it in there. Um, and then we'll be able to get your email. We'll email you directly every quarter. And if you'd like to respond, that would be great. Um, and then the more data we get, the more it helps, you know, people in the industry because they're able to see the results every quarter of how trends are doing that quarter. And then also new interesting um, technologies or new interesting things that are going on in the industry that um, can help their own businesses. So, yeah, my email is rbamberger at rwbear.com and Dave's is deconing at rwbear.com. But we can put those in the uh, in the link as well. Audience, I encourage you to absolutely not only participate, but read the reporting that Baird puts out. It is packed with information, like I said, friends and bulletins. Uh, on all different types of players in the sector, whether it's BPO, whether it's tech. Uh, you want to read this, uh, read these reports. They are informative, highly recommended reading um, uh, if you're involved in, in the customer experience field. Uh, wrapping up today's Fireside Chats Without the Fires, once again, Dave Koenig and Robbie Bamberger, thank you both so much. We look forward to having you again in one month. And like I said, audience, rate, review, give us some feedback if you liked it, if you hated it even. I mean, we'll, we'll be a little hurt if you hated it. I don't think you're going to hate it. I think you're going to really like it and appreciate it. And hopefully you're going to want to participate and hear more and more of these sessions just like I am. Thank you to you both for being wonderful guests today. Audience, thank you for tuning in. Fireside Chats Without the Fires, wrapping up today's session. Spotlight on the business of CX. Thank you. Thanks, guys. The episode is over, but the conversation continues. Please rate and review us in Apple Podcasts. Post a comment and subscribe to stay on the leading edge of customer experience. To get in touch or be a guest, follow us on Twitter at ChatsFires or on LinkedIn or in your podcast repository of choice. Thank you.